0: If I said someone was green, you may think maybe of envy, perhaps greed. Or if you're a 14th century Englishman, you may take that a bit more literally. Today on Of Epic Proportions, where we read epic poems because they're epic, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, written in the 14th century by the unknown pearl poet. Welcome everyone to the second episode of Of Epic Proportions. Today marks the first in a four-part series reading Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, written in the 14th century, so the 1300s, in England by an unknown poet that is referred to as the Gawain poet or the Pearl poet. But one more thing before we get started. If you're tuning in in the future and all four episodes of this poem are out and you just want to listen to it in one seamless audio clip instead of having to go through all the podcast episodes and cutting through my intro and outro talk, you can go to buymeacoffee.com epicproportions or check out the link in the show notes and donate $5 and buy a seamless audio clip of this episode. I greatly appreciate your support but I also totally understand you're here for the story. So let's get started with book one of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Since Troy's assault and siege, I trow were overpassed. True brands and ashes burnt that stately burg at last. And he, the traitor proved for treason that he wrought, was fitly tried and judged, his fortune elsewhere sought. The truest knight on earth, a niece with his kin, who vanquished provinces, and did as princes win, Of all the western isles, the wealth and worth alway, Rich Romulus to Rome, full swift had tan his way, First hath he founded fair, that city in his pride, To which he gave his name, it bears it to this tide, Tisius doth dwellings found, turning to Tuscany, And Lengoard a race rised up in Lombardy, But Felix Brutus sailed full far o'er the French flood, and on its banks so broad, founded Britain, the good, and bliss. Where war nor wonder fail, and ne'er have done, ye wis, Nor shall both bliss and bale, their shifting chances miss. And when that barren bold had Britain made, I trow, Both men were bred therein, who loved strife well enow. And many a war they waged in those good days of yore. Of marvel stern and strange in this land, many more Have chanced than other since the same time I ween. But of all kings who e'er of Britain lords have been, fairest was Arthur, all and boldest, so men tell. Therefore, I think to shew a venture that befell in his time, which some men for a sheer wonder hold, and strange above all tales that be of Arthur told. If ye will list the sleigh a little while in sooth, I'll tell ye as I heard it told in town for truth, with tongue, as it doth stand to wit, and story stiff and strong in letters fairly writ, the land hath known it long. At Camelot lay the king, all on a Christmas tide, with many a lovely lord and gallant knight beside, and of the table round did the rich brotherhood, high revel hold aright, and mirthful was their mood. Of times on tourney bent those gallants sought the field, and gentle knights in joust would shiver a spear and shield. Anon would seek the court for sport and carol gay, for fifteen days full-told the feast was held alway, with all the meat and mirth that men might well devise. Right glorious was the glee that rang in righties wise, glad clamor throughout the day, dancing throughout the night. Good luck throughout the hall, and chambers well bedight. Had lords and ladies fair, each one as pleased him best, with all this world's weal they dwelt those gallant guests. For Christ no braver knights had faced or toil or strife, no fairer ladies' e'er had drawn the breath of life, and he the comeliest king that e'er held the court, forsooth for all this goodly folk were in it in their first youth, and still the happiest under heaven, a king of stalwart will, too hard with them to even another host on hill. So young the new year was, methinks it just was born, Double upon the dais they served the meat that morn. And to the hall he came, with all his knights the king. And as the chapel choir to end the mass did sing, loud rang the voice of clerk and cantor there aloft. Noel! Noel! They sang, and cried the wordful loft. And sithen forth they run for hensel fair and free. Their new year gifts they pray you'll give them readily. And then about the gifts they make debate and now. And ladies laugh aloud, loud, though they have lost I trow. And this I read ye well, not wroth was he who won. And all this mirth they made till mealtime came anon. The board was set, they washed, and then in order meet. The noblest eye above, each gallant took his seat. When Gaynor gaily clad, stepped forth among them all. Upon the royal dais, high in the midmost hall, Sindal swept at her side, and eek above her head a tapestry of tars and choice to loose outspread, and all embroidered fair and set with gems so gay, they might be proved of price, and ye their worth would pay, one day, right fair she was the queen, with eyes of shining gray, that fairer he had seen, no man might soothly say. Arthur, he would not eat till all were served with food, glad of his gladness he, somewhat of childlike mood, A changeful life he loved, he liked it not to wit, either or long to lie, or in or long to sit, so chafed his youthful blood, and eke his busy brain, also a custom good, to which the king was fain. Through valor established fast that never would he eat on such high holiday, ere yet adventure meat were told unto his ear, Or wondrous tell and now, or else some marvel great that he might well allow, tales of his father's days, of arms of emprise high, or in some night besought another skill to try, to join with him in joust, in jeopardy to lay, life against life, each one on hap of nightly play, as fortune then might aid in quest of honor fair. This was his custom good, when as in court he were, at each high holiday, among his courtiers there and hall, Fair-faced and free of fear, he sitteth o' them all, Right keen in that new year, and maketh mirth withal. Thus in his place he stands, the young and gallant knight, Before the royal board, talking of many a thing, Their good Gwaine, gay clad, beside gay nor doth sit, Agravaine, durmant, beyond her as it fit, Both the king's sister's son and the knight's of valiant mood, High at the table sits Baldwin the bishop good, and Yane and Yurin's and son doth with the bishop eat. These on the Dais are served, and seemingly wise and meet. Full many a gallant knight sits at the board below, see where the first course comes, while loud the trumpets blow. With many a banner bright that gaily waves thereby, And royal roll of drums and pipes that shrill on high, while warblings waken there, and sweet notes rise and fall till many a heart swelled high within that castle hall. Dainties they bring therewith, and meats both choice and rare, such plenty of fresh food so many dishes bare. They scarce might find a place to set the folk before the silver vessels all that savory messes bore on cloth. The guests they help themselves, thereto they be not loth, each twain had dishes twelve, good beer and red wine both. Now of their service good I think no more to say, for each man well-main wot no lack was there that day. Noise that to them was new, methinks, now drew anear, Such as each man in hall were ever fain to hear. For scarce the joyful sounds unto an inn were brought, And scarce had the first course been fitly served at court. When through the hall door rushed a champion fierce and fell, Highest in stature he, of all on earth who dwell, from neck to waist so square and eke so thickly set, his loins and limbs alike so long they were and great, half giant upon earth I hold him to have been, in every way of men the tallest he I ween, the merriest in his might that e'er a joust might ride. Sternly his body framed him back and breast and side, belly and waist alike were fitly formed and small and so his features fair were sharply cut withal, and clean, men marveled at his hue, so was his semblance seen, he fared as one unfeud, and overall was green. All green bedight that night, and green his garments fair, a narrow coat that clung straight to his side he wear, a mantle plain above, lined on the inner side, with costly fur and fair, set on good cloth and wide, So sleek and bright in hue, therewith his hood was gay, Which from his head was doffed, and on his shoulders lay, Full tightly drawn his hose, all of the self-stained green, Well clasped about his calf, there under spurs full keen, Of gold on silken lace, all striped and fashion bright, That dangled beneath his leg, so rode that gallant knight, his vesture verily was green as grass doth grow, The bearing of his belt the blithestone set a-row, That decked in riches wise his raiment fine and fair, Himself his saddle-bow, and silken embroideries rare. T'were hard to tell the half, so cunning was the wise, In which twas broidered all with birds, and eke with flies, Decked with the horse's neck, and decked with the crupper bold, with God so gay of green, the sinner set with gold. In every harness boss was all enameled green. The stirrups where he stood were of the selfsame sheen, the saddle bow behind, the girth so long and fair. They gleamed and glittered all with green stones rich and rare. The very steed beneath the selfsame semblance where he rides a green horse, great and tall, a steedful stiff to guide, embroidered, bridled all he worthily bestrides. Right gaily was the knight bedecked, all green his weed, the hair upon his head, the mane of his good steed. Fair floating locks enfolded, his shoulders broad and strong, great as a bush the beard that on his breast low hung, and with his goodly hair that hung down from his head, a covering around his arm, above his elbow spread. Laced were his arms below, and in the selfsame way, As a king's Capidos that clamps his neck all way. The mane of that great seed was well and deftly wrought, While crisp and combed the hair, with many a knot and cot, Folded with golden thread, about the green so fair, Here lay a twist of gold, and here a coil of hair, In selfsame wise the tail, and the topmost crest were twined, a band of brightest green the twain alike did bind, which set the precious stone, hung the tail's length adown, then twisted in a knot on high the crested crown. Therefrom hung many a bell of burnished gold so bright, such foal upon the fell, bestridden by such night, sure near within that hall, before of mortal sight, were seen, as lightning gleaming bright, so seemed to all his sheen they deemed that no men might endure his blows so keen. Nor helmet on his head, nor halberd did he wear, gorget nor breastplate good, as knights are wont to bear, nor shaft to smite, nor shield that blows might well withstand, not but a holy bow he carried in one hand. When all the groves be bare, then fullest is its green, and in his other hand, a huge axe, sharp, and sheen. A weapon ill to see would one its fashion say. The haft it measured full and ell yard long all way. The blade of good green steel and all with gold inlaid. Right sharp and broad the edge and burnished bright the blade. Twas sharp and well to cut and as a razor good. Right well the steel was set and staff so stiff of wood. And iron bands to bind throughout the linket bare, with cunning work of green, all wrought and graven fair, twined with the lace that fell in silken loops so soft, and at the head adowned the haft was caught full oft, with hanging tassels fair, that silken threads entwine, in buttons of bright green, all broidered fair and fine. Thus in the great hall door the knight stood fair and tall, fearless and free his gaze, he gat him down the hall. Greeting he gave to none, but looked right steadily toward the royal seat and quoth. Now where is he, the lord of all this folk? To see him I am fain, and with himself would speak, may I the boon attain? With frown he looked upon the knights and paced him up and down. Fain would he know aright who was of most renown. Then each man gazed amain; each would that hero see, and each man marveled much, what might the meaning be? That man and horse alike of such a hue were seen, green as the growing grass, and greener still I ween, and that enamel green on gold that gloweth bright, then all with one consent drew near unto that night. A marveling fell they all, who he might be, e'wis, for strange sights had they seen, but none so strange as this. The folk they deemed it well phantasm, or fairy, and none among them all dared answer speedily. But all, astonished, gazed, and held them still a stone throughout that goodly hall, and silence every one. Their faces changed as they by sleep were overcome. Suddenly, I deem not all for fear, but some for courtesy, they fain would lend an ear and let the king reply. Arthur before his dais beheld this marvel fair, and boldly did he speak for dread he knew it ne'er, and said, right welcome, sir, to this my house and hall, head of this hostile eye, and Arthur men me call. Alight from this thy steed, and linger here, I pray, and what thy will may be hereafter shalt thou say. So help me, quoth the knight the God who rules o'er all, I came not here to bide within thy castle wall. The praise of this thy folk throughout the world is told, thy burg, thy barons all, bravest and best they hold, the stiffest under steel, who battle steed bestride, wisest and worthiest they throughout the whole world wide, Proven right, well, and joust, in all fair knightly play, renowned for courtesy So I have heard men say, and this hath brought me here, and at this yuletide fair. For be ye well assured, by this green branch I bear, that I would pass in peace, and seek no battle here. For an it were my will to ride in warlike gear, I have at home and helm, and halberd good and strong, a shield and shining spear, with blade both sharp and long, and other weapons good, that well the knight be seen, and since I sate no war, my weeds are soft I ween, and if ye be so bold as all men say ye be, the favour that I ask ye sure will grant to me, of right. Arthur he was not slow to speak. I trow, sir knight, and here thou seekest a foe; thou shalt not fail for fight. Nay, here I crave no fight. In sooth, I say to thee. The knights about thy board, but beardless barons they be. And I were fitly armed upon this steed so tall, for a lack of strength no man might match me in this hall. Therefore, within thy court, I crave a Christmas jest. Tis Yuletide and New Year, and here be many a guest. If any in this hall himself so hardly hold, so valiant of his hand, of blood and brain so bold, that stroke for counter stroke. With me exchange he dare, I give him a free gift, this gis arm rich and fair, this axe of goodly weight to wield as he see fit, and I will bide his blow as bare as here I sit. If one will test my words and be of valiant mood, then let him swiftly come and take this weapon good. Here I renounce my claim, the axe shall be his own, and I will stand his stroke here on this floor of stone, that I in turn a blow may deal, that boon alone I pray, yet respite shall he have a twelve month and a day. Now quickly I thee cave, who now hath aught to say? If erst they were amazed, now stiller sat they all, both high and low those knights within King Arthur's hall, the knight upon his steed, He sat them fast and true, and round the hall his fierce red eyes he threw. From neath his bushy brows, all green they were in hue. Twisting his beard, he waits to see if none will rise. When no man proffers speech, with mocking voice he cries, What, is this Arthur's house? Is this his gallant band, whose fame hath run abroad, through many a realm and land? Where be your vaunted pride? Your conquest, where be they? Your wrath and fierceness fell, your boastful words alway. Now is the table round, its revel and renown, or thrown with but a word from one man's mouth alone? Since none dare speak for dread, though ne'er a dent he see, with that he laughed so <laughs> loud, Arthur must shame to be, and in his face so fair, the blood rose ruddily alight as wind waxed wroth the king and every gallant knight in words of warlike ring he held that man of might and quoth by heaven sir knight thou speakest foolishly but what thy folly craves we need must grant to thee i trow no knight of mine thy boastful words doth fear that goodly acts of thine in god's name give me here and I will give the boon which thou dost here demand. With that he lightly leaped and caught him by the hand, then lighted down the knight before the king he stood, and Arthur by the haft he gripped that ax so good and swung it sternly round as one who thought to smite. Before him on the floor he stood that stranger knight, taller by a full head than any in the hall. With stern mind did he stand and stroked his beard withal and drew his coat adown and with unruffled cheer. No more was he dismayed for threats he needs must hear. Then at the royal board, one bare a cup anear of wine, Gwain from out his place, spake fitting words and fine, I pray thee of thy grace, be this adventure mine. Quoth Gwain to the king, I pray rightly worthily, Thou bid me quit this seat and take my stand by thee that so without reproach I from this board may rise, and that it may not ill in my liege lady's eyes. I'll to thy counsel come before this royal court. Unfitting do I deem that such a boon be sought, and such a challenge raised in this your goodly hall, that thou thyself be fain to answer it withal. While many a valiant knife doth sit beside thee still, I wot there beneath heaven no men of sterner will, nor braver on the field, where men fight as is fit. Methinks the weakest I, the feeblest here of wit, the less loss of my life, if thou the sooth wouldst say, save as thy near of kin, no praise were mine all way, no virtue save thy blood, I in my body know. Since this be folly all, nor thine to strike this blow, And I have prayed the boon, then grant it unto me. This good court, and I bear myself ungallantly, may blame. Together did they press, their counsel was the same, to free the king no less, and give Gawain the game. Then did the king command that gallant knight to rise, and swiftly up he got in fair and courteous wise, and knelt before his lord, and gripped the axe's haft. The king, he loosed his hold, and raised his hand aloft, and blessed him in Christ's name, and bade him in good part to be of courage still, hardy of hand and heart. Now, nephew, keep thee will, he quoth, deal but one blow. And if thou read'st him well, in very truth I know, the blow that he shall deal, thou shalt right well withstand. Gwaine strode to the knight, the gisarm in his hand. Right boldly did he bide, no wit abashed I ween, And frankly to Gwain he quoth, that knight in green. May we covenant here, ere yet we further go. And first I ask, sir knight, that I thy name may know. I bid thee tell me true, that I assured may be. "I faith, quoth that good knight. Gwain I wot as he. Who giveth thee this blow, be it for good or ill? A twelve-month hence I'll take another at thy will. The weapon be thy choice, I'll crave no other still alive. The other quoth again. Wain, so may I thrive, but I shall take full fain the dent that thou shalt drive. By Christ, quoth the green knight. I trow, I am full fain, the blow that here I craved to take from thee, Gwaine, and thou hast well rehearsed, in fashion fair I trow, the covenant and the boon, I prayed the king but now, save that thou here, Sir Knight, shalt soothly swear to me, to seek me out thyself, where'er it seemeth thee, I may be found on field, and there in turn demand, such dole as thou shalt deal before this goodly band. Now quoth the good Gwaine, By him who fashioned me, I wot not where to seek, nor where thy home shall be. I know thee not, sir, knight, thy court, nor yet thy name. Teach me thereof the truth, and tell me of that same, and I will use my wit to win me to that goal. And here I give thee troth, and swear it on my soul. Nay, in this new year's tide, it needs no more I ween. So to the good Gwaine he quoth, that knight in green, save that I tell thee true. When I, the blow, have tain, which thou shalt smartly smite, and teach thee here remain, where be my house, my home, and what my name shall be, then mayst thou find thy road, and keep thy pledge with me. But if I waste no speech, thou shalt the better speed, and in thy land mayst dwell, no further seek a need for fight, take thy grim tool to thee, but see how thou canst smite, Quoth Gwaine, willingly, and stroked his axe so bright. The green knight on the ground made ready speedily. He bent his head adown, that so his neck were free. His long and lovely locks across the crown they fell. His bare neck to the nape, all men might see right well. Wayne, he gripped his axe and swung it up on high. The left foot on the ground, he setteth steadily. Upon the neck so bare, he let the blade alight. The sharp edge of the axe, the bones asunder smite. Sheer through the flesh it smote, the neck was cleft in two. The brown steel on the ground, it bit so strong the blow. The fair head from the neck fell even to the ground spurned by the horse's hoof and as it rolled around, the red blood spurted forth and stained the green so bright, but ne'er for that he failed, nor fell that stranger knight. Swiftly he started up on stiff and steady limb and stretching forth his hand as all men gaped at him, grasped at his goodly head and lift it up again, then turned him to his steed and caught the bridle wren Set foot in stirrup iron, bestrode the saddle fair. The while he gripped his head in by the flowing hair. He set himself as firm in saddle so I ween as not had ailed him there, though headless he was seen. In hall he turned his steed about, that corpse that bled withal, Full many there had doubt of how the pledge might fall. The head within his hand he held it up a space Toward the royal dais forsooth he turned the face The eyelids straight were raised and looked with glance so clear Aloud it spake the mouth and as ye now may hear Look Gwaine, thou be swift to speed as thou hast said And seek in all good faith until thy search be sped And as thou were didst swear in hearing of these knights, To the green chapel come, I charge thee now aright, The blow thou hast deserved, such as was dealt to-day, And on the new year's morn I pledge me to repay, For many know my name, knight of the chapel green, To find me shouldst thou seek, thou will not fail I ween. Therefore thou needest must come, or be for a found. With fierce pull at the rein, he turned his steed around, his head within his hand, forth from the hall he rode. Beneath his horse's hooves, the sparks they flew abroad. No man in all of the hall wist where he took his way, nor whence that night had come. Durst any of them say, what then, the king and Gwaine there? They gazed and laughed again, Proven it was full fair, a marvel unto men. Though Arthur in his heart might marvel much I ween, No semblance in his speech of fear or dread was seen. Unto the queen he quoth, in courteous, wise and gay, Dear lady at this tide, let not your heart dismay, Such craft doth well methinks, to Christmas-tide belong. When jest so soothly sought, with laugh and merry song, and when in carols gay our knights and ladies vie, nay, on unto my meat, I'll get me presently. I may not soon forget the sight mine eyes have seen. He turned him to Gwaine, and quoth with gladsome mind. Now, sir, hang up thine axe, the blow was soundly sped. T'was hung above the dais, on docile overhead, That all within the hall might look upon it well, and by that token true the tale of wonder tell. Then to the royal board they sat them down those twain, the king and the good knight, and men for service fain, as to the noblest there with double portion wind, with meat and minstrelies the yuletide feast they spend, with joy they pass the day till shades of night descend, or land, now thank thee well, Gwain, and fail not to withstand, the venture thou wast fain to take unto thy hand. And so ends book one of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. What an enthralling tale, to say the least. I think it's 80% descriptions of the party in the night, and then the last two pages are the actual intense part, where the knight gets decapitated and picks up his head and, um, bails. So, I hope you have been properly hooked into this world, because the next three books are going to be Gwen hunting down this Green Knight, and the quest and trial adventures that that all entails. So, now that you've heard the story, you might be trying to digest what happens. So I'm going to be trying something new with these episodes and I'm going to be calling it the 60 second recap where I just sort of sum up in a minute or less what happened in today's tale in layman's term in case just the language was a barrier or you were just you fell asleep halfway through whatever the case may be. It always takes me two or three read throughs of any epic poem for this show to really get a grasp of what's going on. So hopefully the 60 second recap sort of gets you ready, gets you warmed up. So I have my timer, 60 seconds starting now. We open up on the poem with a rockin' party. All the cool knights are there. All the knights of the table round are there. King Arthur, Queen Guinevere, they're all hanging out, having a good time. They got the best meat. They got the best girls. It's amazing. Suddenly, a solid green knight with a solid green horse with a super long beard busts through the door and sort of throws down wants to throw down with someone in the room. He's like, I heard you guys were the best. I want someone to chop my head off. And then in a year and a day, I want them to, I want to do the same thing to them when they find me. Everyone's like, probably just in shock and doesn't volunteer. So Arthur's like, all right, I'll do it. He's sort of insulting my good name. And then Gwayne, his nephew, is like, well, I'm like the stupidest one here. So like, if you lose me... You ain't losing much. I'll do it, uncle. And so he takes the knight's challenge. He decapitates the knight. The knight picks his head up and says, See you in a year and a day, loser. And bails. And everyone's like, well, that's done with. No consequences there. And they go back to partying. So that was like a minute and ten seconds. Um, But that is the gist of the story. Um, as fast and as... Modern lingo as I can make it. Uh, it's definitely it's definitely an interesting one. Um, I found out that this apparently has the trope, yes, an actual trope, called the beheading game, where you just behead each other, and it's a very odd trope. Luckily, the gray knight is magic or has been cursed, so he picks up his head like the headless horseman. Uh, and he can go about his day, but you know, he's like gushing out blood and everything when he picks up his head, which is shockingly gory. I guess, I mean, if you're going to be gory, the, the middle ages were probably pretty nasty. So it probably shouldn't be that much of a shock, but I was a little bit of a shock at the blood spurting description at the very end of this. So, so that is my 60 second recap, 60 second ish recap, uh, segment. And the last segment I want to close out on is the definition segment. Pretty self-explanatory. I don't have cool names for these yet. But any interesting words I came across that made me stop, ponder for a second, um, that maybe caught you off guard too listening to this, that just might be good to know the word too. So our first definition is dais. This is said a couple times. It is spelled D-A-I-S. King Arthur gets up on the dais and they kind of, you know, it's involved in sort of the location of characters. And it is a low platform for a lectern, seat of honor, or throne. So it's, it's kind of like a podium. It's a, just a little step up where, you know, you know who to look at, who's important. Um, the next two words are just things that you might have been really confused about. And they're both just medieval armament or weaponry. The first one was a gisarm, which is the weapon that they take from him and that is a pole weapon. It's a really long pole with like a hooky sharp bit at the end. And the second one is the halberk, which is mentioned um, that the Green Knight is not wearing. And that is, um, from what I see, basically just your chainmail. So you, it's what you would think a knight would be wearing. It's just like your chainmail tunic um, that covers like your chest, a little bit of your neck area, which is obviously the prime spot that the green knight wants, you know, so it makes sense that he wouldn't be protecting it. Um, and then the last one I want to end off on, because it is kind of a big one and you're going to keep hearing it. I think it was even in the first episode of Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Seems to be just like an old English word and that is ween. W-E-E-N. you often heard the narrator and sometimes even the characters saying I something something, I ween, and that is the medieval old English way of saying I think. The proper definition is be of the opinion, think, or suppose. So that is used a lot in this poem as like an ending line. I feel like this guy, medieval times, was just like, "This is a really easy word to rhyme," and so he just throws a couple of "I thinks" in there. And if you replace it with "I think" instead of "I ween" or "figures," um, "I figured," you know, it it does make sense in that context. So it does make sense, and it's just sort of an archaic, old English, old Englishy way of of saying "I think," and that. My fellow poetry lovers is all I have for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in all the way and actually listening to the outro. Uh, But again, if you don't want to listen to these outros or the intros, you can donate $5 at my Buy Me A Coffee, which link is in the show notes in the credits link, or you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash epic proportions and there's a little thing on there and it's just it's right on the homepage. you'll find it very easily but it says five dollars um story only you click on that send me five dollars let me know what poem you want and in the next day or two I will email you a seamless audio file that is just the whole story no breaks except for when I have to breathe and you can just sort of listen to it in one solid go without this stuff in between. So, really good option if you just want to be hearing these poems be read like an audiobook and less of a podcast form with my 60-second recaps and so on. And it helps me make this podcast, which could be even better. I do have a goal up on the Buy Me A Coffee page. When I reach that goal, I will be able to buy a subscription to the podcast hosting service and have more than 500 characters to put in the episode description, which is why the episode description is just a link to read the poem and a link to another link where I can put more words on it. (laughs) If you don't want to buy a seamless episode or the episode you want doesn't have all the parts out yet, so you can't purchase a seamless episode, you can just Buy me a coffee, like the name says, and donate a couple bucks my way to help this podcast, you know, be a little cooler. It's going to keep going, but money or coffee, quote unquote, um, helps it be a little cooler. Thank you guys again, especially if you made it this far because you sat through all the self-promotion ramble. And remember to stay epic.